Welcome to Season 5 of the Art of Teaching Podcast. My name is Matthew Green and I'm so grateful that you took the time to listen. When I started this podcast at the beginning of 2021, I had no idea that the episodes and discussions would resonate with so many educators across the globe. So thank you to all those that have downloaded, listened to, shared and reviewed the podcast. It means the world to know that there are teachers out there that are benefiting from these discussions. This week's episode is a really special one. We all have that teacher that changed our lives, the one that saw us, the one that believed in us, and the teacher that took the time to get to know us. Today, it's my pleasure to introduce you to Mrs. Taylor Jones, my year three teacher from Long Road Primary School in Belper, England. I vividly remember being in a class. 1993 was a particularly rough period in my life. My family had just separated and I felt so alone. Her classroom was a safe place for me, a place where anything was possible. I loved her class, and this set me on the teaching career path. To be honest, I'm sure that everyone in that class, and so many classes since, felt the same way as I do. But that's what made my teacher so special. If you get a chance, reach out and thank your teacher, the one that made the difference. They may never know the impact that they had in your life. Beth Taylor-Jones, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to uh, to speak with me today. Thank you for inviting me, Matthew, after all these years. Yeah, it's so lovely to, um, it's so lovely to, to hear your voice and um, it's lovely to hear the Belper accent coming through strong. Um, it makes me really, uh, really miss home. But whereabouts are you uh, currently finding in from? Yes, a little village near Belper, in the, near the Peak District in Derbyshire. Lovely and what's it like there at this uh, this point of the year? It's very warm actually for England at Easter. You mentioned before we hit record that you got a little sunburnt today, how are you coping with yeah. the sun? I love it. Love it. <laughs> love yes. it. Yeah. Then, quite possibly the most important uh, question um, uh, for our discussion is what's your coffee order? Americano a little milk. Lovely, lovely. And do you have an item that is still uh, on your bucket list? Funnily enough, Disney World Marathon, Florida. <laughs> and, that, and, and for those people that are not aware, you have run 367 marathons. Is that right? That seems ridiculous. That's perfectly correct, but that's, that's nothing compared to some people I know. So what, what is it about, like, and I love marathon running and there's an old saying that how do you know someone's run a marathon, don't worry, they'll tell you and that's what I tend to do all the time. I love the, uh, I, I love the process of running a marathon and the preparation, but what on earth um, inspired you to run that many marathons? I can only imagine the training that goes into that. Well, do you know, when you do them every week, you don't have to do any training and it's like in teaching, it's relentless forward progress. You just keep going. <laughs> are there are there any um, life lessons from running marathons that you've learned? And um, what has it taught you? Yes, resilience definitely, and self control. Uh, it's very much a 
in the UK, marathon run is very much um, a team sport in a way. When you get to, to a hundred marathon club, there are a lot of people that you know and you're so supportive of each other, which is how it should be in life, really. Amazing, amazing. That's such a that's such a wonderful um, lesson and some great examples. I think I, I know I'm uh, so inspired with the running community here in Sydney. Um, it has been a little while since I put my shoes on, so you're encouraging me to get back into it. Um, but it's so lovely that there is always someone that you are able to mentor and support and also always someone that is slightly better than you. Um, and so it's really nice. A lot better than me, Matthew, I can assure you. A, <laughs> but that doesn't have, matter. Yeah, to have that community. And for those people that are not aware, um, uh, Beth, and it is a little bit strange to call you Beth because you will forever be uh, Mrs. Taylor-Jones, but um, uh, Beth, for me, we all have that teacher that that really changed our lives, and I don't say that lightly. Um, I, I remember being in your classroom um, after going through a, really, uh, a number of really challenging years in my family, and every time I stepped into your classroom, I knew that I felt valued, I knew that I felt cared for. And um, if I don't get a chance to say that, thank you for that. I can only imagine um, that you made everyone in your class feel like that. But for me, um, your classroom was such a special place. So thank you for that. If I don't get a chance to thank you, I think everyone should thank a teacher. But um, yeah, what, it, what is it? Um, teaching is such a special profession, isn't it? It's one that takes such a huge investment. It's one that um, emotionally can be particularly challenging and draining. But what is it? Um, that you love about the profession um, and um, what are some of your favourite memories um, of your career in teaching? I, th I think it's essentially what's driven me through all my career is this firm thing that you only get one childhood and for that every child deserves the respect, integrity, mm. high expectations in order to achieve the best that that child can do and do you know I want to go to school to have a great time I want to have high expectations of, of myself as well as the children yeah. and if I can make the environment um, a you know pleasant humorous respectful honest place to be then I've done my job yeah yeah. And as you look back onto your career, I know that you um, were in um, my primary school, Long Row, for 26 years, which Long Row for me is a, was a really special place. I remember walking up the cobblestone streets and yeah. um, in the mornings, I remember putting salt on the driveway to stop um, people <laughs> slipping over in the middle. I don't know if you could get away with getting kids to do that now, but that was my job. <laughs> um, but it, Long Row was a, it was a, a really special place. And as you look back on your career and teaching what are some of your favorite moments what are the things that stand out to you the most there are there are too many to actually identify Matthew yeah I've just been I felt privileged to be in profession wow there have been dips obviously largely government driven yes. <laughs> I'm sure you know policies and things where you just think what uh, why are we doing this to yeah. children? Yeah. Uh, but that's outside of my control. Yeah. And just have to be measured in the application of some of these yeah. policies. Yeah. And it's difficult, isn't it? I mean, we talked before um, before we hit record that sometimes you have to 
when you step in front of a classroom, you in many ways put on an act. Um, you have to deliver and you have to be present for your children. You have to support them regardless of what you are going through um, in your life. And was there ever a time in your career that you thought, oh, this is just too much. Um, this is really hard. I don't know if I have what it takes here, but was there ever a time in your career that you doubted um, uh, the impact that you were having? Yes, to be fair, yes, I think, yeah, I think we, we all had, been there, yeah. yeah, all had that, uh, you know, talk about imposter syndrome, you know, am, am I really yeah. doing the job as it should be? And yeah. I think this is where the resilience and the step back and, and actually think about what are your personal values as the teacher? What yeah. do you want to impose on children as opposed to educators, yeah. you know, worth hanging on to really yeah. at times yeah ab absolutely I think it's so true and and Beth just wondering um wh why did you decide to go into teaching I mean um I'm, you could have done anything uh why was teaching the thing that kind of grabbed your attention all those years ago probably it was a financially bad move I went into a solicitor's <laughs> office on work experience in the sixth form and then I went into the local primary school and do you know what? I just loved it in that classroom. Compared to the stuffy little solicitor's office, yes, I could probably be on much more money now, but no, it wasn't for me. It just grabbed me. Yeah, yeah. Did you just did, did you know the moment you stepped yes. inside the classroom? Yeah. And what was Absolutely. that? What was that feeling like? Did you walk in and go, "Oh my gosh, this is chaotic," but I want to be here? Um, yeah. Well, take me back to that moment where you where you yeah, it, realized. It, it's just the openness and positivity of children. And even through all this COVID or whatever, the, the, the children that I've taught have been very lucky. The minute we've all stepped into that classroom throughout lockdowns, whatever, you, they've just been so open, honest. Mm. It, just the sense of humour that we could maintain regardless, like you say, of what was going on at home, in that classroom, we were safe. We yeah. we, we dealt with it. Um, mm. And I think that's just been how I felt about teaching all through my career, that it's just being with the children, it's just the, just so positive. Yeah, yeah. And do you, uh, do you have much contact with your students? Because obviously you're living close to, to where you, you spent the majority of your teaching career. Do you bump into your students? Like, remember Gemma Smith, I know James Henry is, uh, he's living over in Brisbane. Um, I know Sam Dennis. Do you ever see people no, from- No, I Morrison? don't. I don't. Occasionally somebody will come up to me and Bob Morrison's in Belfort and say, Hello, Mr. Taylor Jonah. Oh, how are you? Yeah, but yeah. It soon clicks into to shape, you know. Yeah. Well, but we've I'm got real. a um, we've got a group chat um with a number of people from uh from Long Row, and your name comes up quite often. So you're oh. a, a bit of a celebrity, I think, in those areas. <laughs> uh, I think we remember the um the DJ days, if I remember correctly. I remember uh, yes. the name uh, DJ TJ for a little while. Yes, I remember it well. Jeez, that's amazing. And, and if you think about the the amount of students over the 26 years and continuing, um, the 26 years in, in Long Row, the amount of students that you've had in your class and had in your care, um, it's quite amazing to, 
to think about that in terms of impact. Like that would be hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of students that you've had for a year of their lives in your class. I mean, talk to me a little bit about the sort of the privilege of our, our profession and why it's so important to keep it about the children because there's so much other noise going on. How do you do that? Yes, it's very much so, especially in the last couple of years, about developing that safe environment where children can ask the questions and get honest, obviously appropriate answers, mm. uh, but also an environment where we can just shut it all away. Let's just enjoy ourselves while we're here. Um, obviously we've got to work hard as well children but <laughs> you know let's yeah. deal with it in a proportional ma manner because yeah. little did we know what these children were facing at home in terms of yeah. parental concerns yeah you know yeah. I, I teach in a fairly in a fairly affluent area however we can't assume that all those children were having a good time at home mm. I think I think that's so true, Beth, and and I, I can't tell you the amount of times that I have thought back to my time in your class and also my experience at Long Road Primary School, um, and asked myself as a teacher and now as a school leader, um, what would Beth do? And so, like, I, I remember um, being so busy and so overwhelmed. I just stepped into a leadership role and I had no idea what I was doing. And and now I sort of still have no idea but I'd have a little bit of a clue I think and so I just stepped into this role and I remember being so busy that I didn't take the time this little girl came up to me and showed me a drawing that she'd done and, and I was busy photocopying I needed to get to the photocopier and then I was just stressed and you know what it's like and you've got 10 minutes of recess you got to go to the toilet get a coffee all that kind of stuff and um, she called out to me. She said, oh, Mr. Green, can I show this? And I said, oh, no, no, not now. I'm really busy. And then I had this moment where I thought, um, what would Beth do? Um, and then I thought, okay, she asked me again. And I said, sweetie, I'm really sorry. Um, I'm really sorry. Show me what you want to show me. And I, I bent down on my knees and I, and I looked at this drawing and her little face lit up. And it reminded me that this is why we're here. Um, we are never too busy. We are never too important we are never too we should never be too preoccupied preoccupied to take in these moments and um i like i said i vividly um remember walking into your class and um i to be perfectly honest i actually don't know what you taught me in that year and i'm being totally honest all i remember is um how i felt when i walked into that classroom um and i knew that it was a space that i felt valued i knew that i could be honest i knew it was a place that was non-judgmental and i don't know if you knew what was going on in my life at the time you probably did because teachers know these things um but i looked forward to coming to school because it was a place of consistency um and a place of um order and structure and how do we as educators um how do we create those spaces to listen to our students and how do we make sure that our classroom is a place that is vibrant and exciting and and um fulfills the the welfare needs of our kids how, how do you do that in your classrooms i think it's very much about giving children the say mm. a say in, in terms of how do we want this classroom to work how do we want to do it not me you know I, i'm just the facilitator if you like 
how how do you want the classroom yeah. to look? Yeah. What where do you think you would work best with which person? Yeah. Um, that student. Yeah, it's, it, absolutely. And, and come on, tell me how how could I have done that better, children? I I yeah. have that role of being able to tell you, but you tell me as well. And it's about that mutual respect. I think a lot of people a lot of people talk about that. Like it sounds like a good idea to give student voice, but I think it takes a really um, secure teacher to actually allow students to question them. And I, I think it's incredibly important. I do that with my class all the time. But um, like, I, I think it's really important like to, to model failure. I think it's important to, to ask students, what do you think to gather? I gather feedback on my teaching every day and some days it's brutal, um, especially if a child's just got in trouble. Um, but um, yeah, do you think it takes um, a secure teacher to do that, um, to be able to ask for feedback from your kids? Because it's a bit scary, yeah. isn't it? Because they can be pretty it's, brutal it's at times. Yeah, it is. But it's essential. Yeah, for me, it's, it's essential because yeah. if somebody's a large minority group, a minority are not happy with how things are, then how can you move? learning forward if mm. if people aren't happy ultimately yeah, yeah. look it, it 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 sounds it it sounds so simple but i think i, I heard the saying that that um uh, teaching is uh, as easy as riding a bike if the bike is on fire and if you're on fire and as everything if everything else is on fire and basically it's a incredibly complex profession and I um, it's so refreshing to hear how you keep students central because so many people talk about it um, but I know from experience being in your class um, you, you do that and can I ask as well you you mentioned briefly um, about some of the challenges that you've had in terms of uh, bureaucracy in schools and in class uh, sorry in, in schools and in the education system but what are some of the the lessons that you've had to learn um, in your career and how have you overcome that? How are you still so passionate about the impact that you're making? I think some of the biggest challenges for me have been uh, working with different leadership styles. Mm -hmm. And when your philosophy of what good education, good teaching looks like, yeah. um, meets with a philosophy that you very much Yes. Don't agree with, and you have to walk away because I have felt only occasionally in yeah. the past where yeah. I've just thought, I cannot work under this regime. Yeah. I can't yeah. do for the children what is being asked of me. And yeah. I understand in all senior leadership roles, the pressure comes from the top. That's right. However, when you work with another leadership style, which is able to maintain integrity regardless of pressure from the top. Yeah. That's yeah. when I can work in a you know great environment. Yeah. I, I think I, I think that's really cool. And it's it's interesting to see a lot of parallels between the UK system and also the Australian yeah. education system. Yeah. Um, but um would you mind just outlining sort of a bit of a history um, of your career in education? I mean, you mentioned that you spent um 26 years in Longroy, but how long were you on class? Did you move into leadership positions? Is it something that you decided not to pursue? Or what was your uh, what's your career been like so far? Okay, so when I first um, left uni, I went into uh, straight into an inner city school in Derby. Okay. Which was 
fantastic four years of absolute education for me because for the first time I worked with children from different cultures, Amazing. different religions. And Matthew, they taught me in those four years, I can tell you. It yeah, was fantastic. Did. Never got the urge to go into headship because I couldn't cope with the pressures from above. Yeah. Um, and yes, and then after 25 years, I thought, do you know, I really do need to try something different. Yeah. So I went into the, the supply route, uh, taking a big financial hit. But again, a really educational experience for me. Worked in a lot of schools which are very, very different to Long Row. Yeah. In terms of social deprivation, yeah. educational inequality. Then I went to work on a caravan site for a couple of years as a site warden. <laughs> However, now I'm working in a very small country school. Amazing. And for those people that are listening, um, supply teachers are the same as casual teachers, I understand. So day-to-day -day teaching, yeah. so you get to yeah. travel to different schools. And so, right. Beth, would you mind just... just uh, talking to me about how you kind of balance those two roles because I'm relatively new in a leadership role and I know that there are leadership requirements there's also classroom requirements but how do you once again we, everyone talks about keeping students central but how on earth do you manage those dual roles and also do a great job engaging with your kids is it difficult teaching yes. I need some lessons yeah it's very difficult yeah. um and it's juggling the priorities because ultimately the priority is what's going on in the classroom. Mm. And if you don't get sufficient support in your leadership role, I don't know, I don't know how it works in Australia, but certainly um, where I was in leadership role, you were given your non-contact time, yeah, which was, oh, and that, uh, you know, and that was fine. However, I think it's, it is an impossible job at the end of the day. And it's, hanging on to the priorities those 30 faces looking at you each day yeah yeah because i know i find it particularly challenging um some days i feel like a great uh a classroom teacher at the expense of a great leader and other days i feel like a great leader at the expense of a classroom teacher and for me it's quite a guilty profession because i never feel yes. like i'm doing enough for either yeah. and do you do you sort of share that that sentiment and and how do you kind yes. of find your way through that yes well, I didn't you? in the end. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I bailed out. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. It, it, it did get to a point where I just thought, these children are being compromised now. I, I can't do the leadership anymore yeah, well. without compromising the children. Wow. And, and Beth, I, it's so refreshing to hear um, your unwavering commitment to your students, even all of these years later. Um, and as I mentioned, like your, your name comes up so often in our group chats. I know when I was over in Belpera, gosh, it would have been five years ago now, I came to the school, I'd showed my wife and she said, wow, this yeah. is a really special place. And um, it's always a bit weird when you meet your teacher again, because you yeah. don't know what to do. Like, I think I just hugged you and I'm like, if one of my students did that, um it would be very weird but you sort of like it, it's a, it, it's such a strange relationship isn't it because i think there's um there's so much influence as an educator that you exert over a bunch of small human beings and i think there's so much trust and i'm so aware when i'm talking to my students that my the words that i say can 
make or break their lives. And I don't mean to sound overly dramatic, but there have been times that I've been I know, a little bit cranky because my children haven't slept or whatever. I've had a fight with a cat or whatever. Um, and I've been a little bit cranky and I've had to apologize to my class because I know that they, they hold everything that you say to mm. such a high esteem. Um, and I think the weight of that for me is a really great reminder of just how important our role is. Um, and every single day in my school, hundreds of parents kiss their kids goodbye at the gate and they trust me to do my job. Mm. And that is having young kids of my own. When I hand them over to their, their daycare educators, there's nothing more important than that. And I'm constantly um, amazed in the level of trust in our profession. And do, is that something that, that, that you agree with? Or, um, yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And, and you don't know what some of these children are coming from. Yeah. You know, at, at the end of the day, if we can offer that same joyful environment, that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, look, I think it's I think it's so important just to be reminded of why we are doing what we do. And um, it must be so wonderful at your stage in your career to to hear the stories of children that were in your class or to or, or to I'm sure you would be at, at some point. Did you ever teach children of the children that you had in your class? Uh, did you get to that point? Yes, I did. Yes, <laughs> just rather shocking that, experience. That, that would be uh, that would be bizarre. What was that like? Going, you used to be in my class, and now I have your child. Like that would be a bit of a turn of events. It was fine. <laughs> I just never reminded them of what they did wrong when I'm <laughs> when they're telling me what's wrong with their children. <laughs> Gosh, that's uh, that that that's really funny. Um, uh, Beth, you talked a little bit about some of the um, some of the challenges that you guys have faced with COVID. I know it's a very different situation in the UK back home for me than it is um, in Sydney. Um, but what do you think are some of the lessons that this current pandemic, this ongoing pandemic, have taught us about the important work that teachers and schools do? I think certainly in the UK, what it did uh, emphasise was educational disadvantage. Mm. Um, where obviously during lockdown, huge areas were promised the laptops to be able to work at home. And then you'd hear of families with four children all sharing one mobile phone to do the homework, the, the lockdown work. I think that was an incredible, well, yeah, yeah. problem. <laughs> yes, um, very diplomatic of you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and even in the small, for sort of fairly economically lucky school that I'm in, we are dealing with having to catch up. Yeah. You know, we were sending stuff home to children and parents either weren't able to work with the children, they'd got the tech, nevertheless, parents were working on their tech to do their work from home. Mm. So, you know, we are having to do catch-up programs yeah uh, I, I can't well I can't even begin to imagine what it must be like in some areas of the UK yeah and how behind some of the children must be by now yeah uh, so I think it's going to take years and I think so in, in terms of um, just socially uh, and I just try to imagine what's going on in an eight-year-old's head at the moment when one huge mm. well i don't know how much 
the Ukrainian situation would be affecting schools in Australia, but certainly we've had yeah. to address that as well. Yeah, we look, we we have to as well. Um, it, it's 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 just been the amount of destruction has been um, immense. Um, yeah. And I know I, I went online, um, the first sort of wave of lockdowns in Australia. Um, I was at a very disadvantaged school. And so the experience of going a very multicultural school, um, a, a huge number of refugee students. Um, mm. And um, uh, it was, and to go online in a very low socioeconomic environment was, was almost impossible. Um, yeah. And then in Australia, we had a second wave, um, gosh, probably 12 months later, and I was actually at a new, much more affluent school, and going online there was completely different. You pretty much flicked a switch. Um, mm. But having said that, the, the, the challenges were immense in both areas. I mean, we are, of course, dealing with um, uh, some mental health issues that I think that we will not mm. see the full impact of for many, many years to come. Um, and uh, it's been, yeah, particularly challenging um to try and navigate through that and once again to be able to regardless of like i remember I, we live in quite a small apartment um and so i was on the phone to parents i'd actually locked myself in the bathroom because as we don't really have an office space we've got a lounge room which is a dining room which is a kitchen which is a hallway and so and so i remember <laughs> i locked myself in the bathroom and um, I was having conversations with parents about how wonderful this time was to connect with their students while my own children were banging on the door asking for breakfast. And I could, I could hear them going, Dad, I'm hungry. And I'm saying, what a privilege it is to get to connect. And, and it was just, just chaos. Um, and we are fortunate, my wife and I are both incredibly fortunate that we have jobs. We continue to have jobs. I couldn't imagine the, the financial pressure um, for parents that have lost jobs. And so it's been a really, it's been really complex for us. And once again, as we talked about at the beginning of our discussion, like we just had to get up, stand in front of a class, whether it be virtually or on Zoom and deliver. Um, and we did our best, I think, as I'm sure you guys did to, yes. to try and make sure there were no gaps, but it's it's been really difficult. I mean, is it starting to come to an end over in the UK? Like, what what's it like over there at the moment? Um, it's well, it's <laughs> yeah, it's the the COVID rates are very high, but fortunately, it's not resulting in hospitalisation. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it's still that element of it, yeah. like. Do you plan a school trip? Can you dare plan a school trip? Because the coach driver might have COVID on the day that you go. Uh, it's the sort of knock-on effects of things like that that, yeah. that are impacting now. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And um, what do you think, though, are some of, and this is a, a huge question, I know it's getting quite late where you are and it's quite early where I am, so I'll try and fumble through this, um, but what do you think are some of the lessons that we can learn from this as educators? And are you confident that school systems will learn lessons or do you think we'll just bounce back to what we've always done? I was really hopeful that when things like year six SATs, I don't know if you can remember those, yeah, Matthew. I remember those they, very well. They were dipped. <laughs> Because obviously the children had not all had all had equal access to education, that things like that were axed, and actually teachers were given 
the respect and the um, they were allowed to actually say this is what we think these these children can do at 11 mm. and the results were accepted oh okay then we'll believe you however it seems that that's now been disregarded and we only believed you when there was a pandemic but now we need year six tests back again so I, I really hoped that that would be a positive and, and I hope that from this the, the disadvantaged children will now be addressed the situation mm. in schools mm. um, and that we can have a more open debate about what is primary curriculum it's not just driven by assessment that we do need to think about mental health mm. you know even of the youngest children and yeah. makes make schools joyful again do you think do you think we will probably not <laughs> well, I, yeah it's down to individual teachers to well yes just to keep keep the faith yeah yeah well thank you for um Beth, thank you for your honesty <laughs> it's uh <laughs> i i have been criticized yeah. for many things and one of them is being annoyingly optimistic um but i do think you, you have you have to be i mean we are in a profession that i i mean i see the challenges that we have um but also i'm silly enough to think that we can and we will make a difference um and i don't know you've got it you've got to keep hope otherwise what are we what, what are we doing and beth uh just a couple of a couple of questions we've kind of skimmed through a lot of them which has been wonderful like i said to hear about your experience and to hear about your classrooms and i know that there's going to be so many teachers over in australia that will that will really get something from our discussion today but um do you have any advice for people that are thinking about entering the teaching profession i know that you are speaking very much um, in regards to a uk context but do you have any advice that you'd like to give to teachers or people thinking about teaching yes i think um i, th I was thinking about this earlier matthew and i think for me my central drive if you like is to think you get one childhood every child in that class has one childhood they all have the different baggage different things going on at home uh, that they've got to deal with it's our job to do the best that we can to deliver but I think critically for people going into the profession it's about considering work-life balance very much so because it can be a 24-hour a day job uh, and it's about having that work-life balance, yeah. being realistic about what actually can be achieved by you on a personal note. And also very much not to be afraid to ask for advice mm. because nobody's nailed this job perfectly. You know, even after 30 odd years of teaching, I still mm. need to ask for advice. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I think that's some really good pieces of advice and have you have you always been someone that has had balance um have you is that something that you have had to prioritize later in life i mean anyone that can do 367 marathons um mm -hmm. must need some space in their calendar but yeah is it something that you have always done or um or maybe more recently more recently i think 
I've kind of listened to my own advice, if you know what I mean. There yeah. have been times in my career where I haven't listened to that advice. And it's probably very nearly finished me. It's having that ability to recognise the signs, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Where when when you need to step back and just say, right, where's where's this going now? I yeah. need to just take a break. Yeah. Well, um, Beth, I am so grateful um, for you taking the time today. I really am, and it has been. Um, it's been really wonderful to reconnect and to hear your um, philosophy of teaching, to hear about um, your experience in the profession. And, and I can honestly say that for me, you were that teacher that changed the game for me. And if no one else says thank you, thank you for all of the hours, for all of the unseen work um, that people will never notice. Um, but thank you for doing that. Honestly, Beth, um, yeah, th thank you for everything. Um, and please know that there are um, so many children that have um, been impacted, hundreds and hundreds of children, if not thousands of children, because of your teaching. And I hope that you, as you enjoy the next phase in your life, hopefully having a little bit more space, please know that, um, that we are all really grateful. And thank you. I can't thank you enough. Thank you, Matthew, for those very precious words. Yeah, it's it's an incredible privilege to speak to you, and um, I, I do think about your um, um, I think about what you would do quite often in my classroom. Think about um, the ways that you would react, um, and so um, there's yeah, I don't think anything else needs to be said. But thank you, and I, what I will do thank is um, I will let you go and enjoy the rest of your evening. I know it's getting quite late. It's just clicked over to set 6.15 over here and our, our day is about to start. Um, but um, I, I'm so appreciative that you would take the time and talk to me today. So um, yeah, I hope- Thank you, you for inviting me. You're welcome. Thank you so much, Beth. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for taking the time to listen to the Art of Teaching podcast today. I hope that you, like me, got some valuable insights out of our discussion. For show notes, please visit theartofteachingpodcast.com. I've one favour to ask. If you could please head to the iTunes page of the podcast and rate and review the episode. This would really help to get the interviews and resources to as many people as possible. Also, I've created a private Facebook group so that we can continue the discussion after each episode. The link is in the show notes. Thank you again for listening and until next time.